0: In that dream I thought the eastern sky grew dark, and there was a growing thunder, but in the west a pale light lingered, and out of it I heard a voice, remote but clear, crying. Seek for the sword that was broken, in Imladris it dwells. There shall be counsels taken, stronger than Morgul's spells. There shall be shown a token, that doom is near at hand, for Isildur's bane shall waken. And the halfling fourth shall stand.
1: Hey there guys, welcome to episode 39 of Keep On Tolkien, I'm Danny J. And this is Joel N. And we are here today talking to you about one of the heroes of the Third Age, Boromir, son of Denethor. Yeah, one of
0: the major characters of the Fellowship.
1: And this character is uh, divisive, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I mean in general he is one of the protagonists, but he's kind of a controversial mm-hmm. one because he's a, one of the protagonists we get that have some major flaws. He gets a lot of hate on the internet. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the first of the sons of Denethor. So briefly, we'll just touch on who was Boromir.
1: Well, he's the eldest son of Denethor II of Gondor, the steward.
0: Which makes Boromir one of a, uh, excuse me, makes Boromir a steward prince of Gondor.
1: So like a regular prince, but instead of being king, you get to be steward.
0: Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of like being a prince, but a little lesser than
1: Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Uh, He's also a renowned warrior, which we get to see in uh, Lord of the Rings for sure.
0: And some of his names and titles include Captain of the White Tower, Captain and General,
1: High Warden of the White Tower, Steward Prince, and of course, Boromir. Boromir. All right. Origins. Boromir. Like Origins, X-Men, Wolverine. Except
0: Boromir style. Except Boromir style. And that movie was terrible. <laughs> yeah, the Origins X-Men movie, the uh, Origins yeah. Wolverine movie. Did you see that really with bad. me in theaters? I remember
1: just being shocked about
0: how whole horrible Yeah, I do remember that. I have not seen that movie since. <laughs> yeah, we were
1: supposed to go to the school play, remember, but it was sold out. And then we went, <laughs> yeah. Fun times. Don't see that movie, guys. It's awful. Anyway, the origins of Boromir are much more interesting than X-Men Origins Wolverine would ever
0: be. So Boromir was born in the year 2978 of the Third Age to parents Denethor II and his wife, Fendwilas.
1: Yeah, and Denethor was uh, he was the steward of Gondor at that time, so position of high power.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and Boromir being his firstborn son would make him next in line for that same position.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they also had another kid, the younger brother, Faramir, and he was born five years later in Third Age, 2983.
0: And when Boromir was 10 years old, so when Faramir was five. Unfortunately, their mother became ill and died. And this was in the year 2988 of the Third Age. And Denethor became really grim and remote after his wife died.
1: Yeah, and if you know the end of the story of uh, Denethor, this is when it all kind of starts to happen. (laughs) Yeah, this is when his downward slide (laughs) kind of starts. Should have got help at this point, man.
0: This is also when Denethor started uh, visibly showing a preference for Boromir over Faramir.
1: Right, right. And it was said that Denethor loved Boromir too much, perhaps the more so, because they were unalike.
0: Yeah, the two brothers were pretty different in temperament. But consequently, that did not cause any rivalry between the brothers, like you might think. But instead, Boromir ended up looking after his younger brother, and they became very close.
1: Yeah, despite their father... Being a dick. Being a dickhole.
0: So, growing up as the Sons of the
1: Steward, the brothers were—they were constantly steeped in Gondorian culture. So it's kind of their job to carry on the line of Numenor, right?
0: Right, right. And like something that's important to note about Gondor during this time, about 500 years prior to this, we're kind of talking about the time when Boromir and Faramir were kids about 500 years prior in the year 2475 that's when the watchful peace ended in
1: Gondor right and if you remember back from our Gondor episode that was when uh, basically the current war that is happening in Gondor in the Lord of the Rings has started right
0: yeah this is when Sauron like comes forth again and starts attacking them and starts aligning with Haradrim and Easterlings and such so uh, Gondor's basically been under constant threat from Orcs, Easterlings, Haradrim for like the past 500 years Years. oh yeah so this being the case they've basically become more or less a military-based kingdom uh so the culture of gondor was pretty proud and nationalistic
1: right yeah and that'll happen when you're you know a country that's constantly at war with right you've got to
0: rally yeah. the troops around something to, they can have pride for
1: right right an author by the name of uh fleming rutledge wrote that boromir's perception of middle earth is biased by a belief that the divine powers have chosen gondor to lead the
0: fight against evil
1: i think that's a good uh it's a good <laughs> Nailed it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they nailed it right on the head. So ultimately, with all of this influence, uh, Boromir ended up devoting himself to leading his people and becoming a renowned commander in the Gondorian military. Yeah,
1: Boromir was made captain of the White Tower and quickly became captain general and also bore the title of High Warden of the White Tower.
0: Yeah, he led many successful attacks against Sauron's forces and that brought him a lot of praise in Gondor. So in Gondor, he was just well known as an awesome leader and just one hell of a warrior. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember, this guy's also from the line of uh, Numenor, so he's he's big.
1: Yeah, somewhat. He's kind of mingled, but yeah. But he's still like He's good. got it. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. And that's really all the information we get about Boromir's early life, also known as pre-War of the Ring era Boromir. On June 19th, TA-3018, that's that magic year where everything happened, right?
0: Yeah, this is where the War of the Ring really starts to go down.
1: The night before Sauron's attack on Athelion, both Boromir and Faramir had a dream that contained some kind of message.
0: Yeah, we've got an excerpt of that dream.
1: Seek for the sword that was broken. In Imladris it dwells. There shall be counsels taken, stronger than Morgul's spells. There shall be shown a token, that doom is near at hand. For Sildor's
0: bane shall waken, and the halfling
1: forth shall stand.
0: So to some guy of Gondor, I can imagine that that wouldn't make a lot of sense. I mean, he'd probably get the... Part about Morgul's spells and Sealdor's <laughs> bane but that's probably about all that would stand out he was pretty confused so both the brothers went and they consulted their father Denethor because Denethor is a pretty learned guy yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah they got the huge library there in, in Minas Tirith
0: yeah but ultimately all Denethor could say about uh, their dream is that Imladris which was also known as Rivendell was just a northern dale on the western side of the misty mountains where the half-elven lord elrond lived
1: and that was pretty much all they got out of (laughs) him yeah that's pretty much all (laughs)
0: the information they got (laughs) he he
1: like reads listens to the whole thing imladris that's a place over there
0: yeah he's like i know imladris but the rest of that is just kind of gibberish gibberish so right off the bat faramir was actually really eager to make that trip to to rivendell and try to see if he could you know find out more However, since the way to Rivendell was full of danger, Boromir actually insisted that he took the journey instead.
1: Yeah, being a good big brother, right? Right, but
0: imagine if Faramir had taken it.
1: That yeah, would it be a whole different story. I
0: feel like the Fellowship of the Ring would have gone down quite differently.
1: Yeah. I think they would have made it all the way to Mordor, man.
0: Yeah, they very well, well modeled anyway.
1: And they'd be like sipping in, mm. sipping in like an old orc pub like, that they <laughs> took over, you know, like sitting on orc corpses, like laughing about the journey that they Right, because they
0: probably wouldn't have split up at the uh, Falls of Rauros like they did with Boromir. No, no. I no. imagine things would have gone on. But anyway, something yeah, to think about.
1: something to think about. One of those tolkien questions.
0: So the following day on June
1: 20th, Sauron's forces attack Ethelion. And Boromir and Faramir and two others were the only survivors.
0: Yeah, their entire troop was killed.
1: And they were part of the unit that held the bridge at Askelia. So Askelia is basically on the edge of Athelion, and they attacked from the from the east, right? Right, so
0: Askelia is that special city of Gondor that's built, like, on the river. Right. Like, like half of it's on one side, and half of it's on the other side. Like Budapest. Yeah. And so Anybody they...
1: in Hungary listening, let us know. <laughs> Yeah. If there's
0: Hungarians out there
1: listening. I've heard Budapest is beautiful. Go on, Joel. I'm sorry.
0: No, you're good. But ultimately, <laughs> Athelion is just like what they call the east bank of the river. So they lost the east bank of the river, which includes the east end of... Oh, uh, yeah. Ilias.
1: Which would be the, the capital of that part of Athelion right. I suppose. And
0: so their force was holding... Or, uh, excuse me... Uh, Boromir and Faramir's unit was the unit that was holding the bridge from east to west side. Right. And they actually had to destroy the bridge and swim the Anduin just to reach safety. Dang, that's crazy. And that's the only way that they were able to live.
1: On July 5th of that same magic year, Boromir set out from Minas Tirith to find Rivendell. His plan was to ride west through the Gap of Rohan and then travel north along the west side of the Misty Mountains until he found the Hidden Dale.
0: Unfortunately, uh, what he didn't anticipate were a lot of hardships that he'd... Along the way. Uh, for example, the north south road there, I think that's the road on the west side of the Misty Mountains. That road had fallen into decay because no one really used it anymore. It was just kind of crumbling remains.
1: Yeah, North Kingdom's not, South Kingdom's not as powerful as it used to be. North Kingdom is not a thing anymore. Right. I'm sure that's
0: probably the road that they probably would have thought to take somebody from Gondor. Right, yeah, because they were like, there used to be this
1: great north-south road from kingdom to kingdom, and the world was great and we were powerful. Right. Yeah.
0: But little did he know at that time, people usually would have taken the road to Bree and then like right. gone over to Rivendell. But he took the hard way because he didn't know any better.
1: He actually lost his horse while crossing the Grey Flood about halfway <laughs> yeah. and had to uh, walk the rest of the journey.
0: Yeah, that's like a halfway walking. That sounds pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say how Bormir ultimately even found Rivendell. All he ever really says about it is that, quote, Long have I wandered by roads forgotten seeking the house of Elrond, of which many had heard, but few knew where it lay. So not a lot of help from anybody.
1: No, no. Yeah, it's a vague, regular, like, Candy Mountain, where's that? Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. In the Unfinished Tales, there's actually a passage from Tolkien about Boromir's journey where he states, quote, The courage and hardihood required is not fully recognized in the narrative. So you know he basically said there in so many terms. If you want to translate that into Tolkien terms,
0: what did Boromir get? Shafted, shafted. <laughs> that hit me right like you, I was like what are you talking about? And you made eye contact and I was like shafted. Shafted.
1: Shafted. Boromir shafted. Tolkien even said he shafted. Yeah,
0: right him. out of the original book.
1: He's sorry I shafted you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ultimately, Boromir's uh, crazy intense trip took a total of 110 days. That's just 10 days shy of four months. Dang. Yeah, that's a hell of a journey. Boromir arrives in Rivendell at night on
1: October 24th. That's four days after Frodo and friends. And he is welcomed and invited to be part of the special council that's taking place the following day, which we know of as the Council of Elrond. Elrond. And if you want to know everything about the Council of Elrond, anything at all, go back to our two part episode. That's episodes 20 and 21. We talk
0: about everything. We
1: got Yeah, into we it. talk about stuff that like yeah. events
0: that led up to the council and then all the people that were there and what they talked about. It was a fun episode, too. There are some really good excerpts in that episode.
1: Yeah. And we, we'll talk a little bit more about that episode uh, in a second here because we did make a mistake in that episode we want to address.
0: Yes, we do. But all in all, we're not going to get too deep into the Council of Elrond because there was a lot that happened. Like we said, just reference our last episode about the council if you want more. But we're going to kind of pick at uh, Boromir's role throughout all of this. So in the books, in The Fellowship of the Ring, this is actually when we get our very first description of Boromir. Yeah. So we've got a nice excerpt about that. There was a tall man with a fair and noble face, dark-haired and gray-eyed, proud and stern of glance. His garments were rich, and his cloak was lined with fur, and he had a collar of silver in which a single white stone was set. His locks were shorn about his shoulders... On a baldric he wore a great horn, tipped with silver, that now was laid upon his knees. Yeah, remember that horn. Yeah,
1: remember that horn. That right. horn's pretty sweet. The horn is sweet. And Tolkien wrote that he was about six foot four, which uh, for you
0: non-Americans... For pretty much everyone else in the world for who every metrics yeah, metric I'm system. sorry,
1: for everyone else in the world, he's 193 centimeters tall.
0: For all of our metric friends. Yeah.
1: You guys are right. We are wrong. I apologize. <laughs>
0: So at the council, Boromir also learns that the one ring still exists and that it has been found. And this is huge news to Boromir. Oh, yeah. This is huge. They totally thought it was gone. We've actually got a uh, excerpt about this revelation. Boromir broke
1: in. So that is what became of the ring, he cried. If ever such a tale was told in the south, it has long been forgotten. And I have heard of the great ring of him that we do not name. But we believe that it perished from the world in the ruin of his first realm. Isildur took it. That is tidings indeed.
0: Yeah, really soaking that in. It's a lot of big news.
1: Yeah. And at this council, Bormer talks a decent amount. And uh, he th- also talks about uh, one of the things is Gondor's struggle against the nameless enemy who has arisen again.
0: Right. Because he didn't really come to learn about the ring. He had plenty of his own reasons. Um, he also talked about Mordor's newfound alliances with the Easterlings and the Haradrim, mm. and the sudden attack and fall of Athelion And he talked about a new
1: evil power at the fall, uh, um, a new evil power rising after the fall of Athelion that they had not felt before. And this is most likely. The
0: Nazgul. Yeah, or rather a single Nazgul. They said there was a single rider at the fall of Athelion, Right. And if a single rider can do that much damage, I can't even imagine what all nine would be like. Oh, yeah, it'd be terrible. So Mormir also goes on to talk about their struggle and just holding that western half of Auscilius, the western shore of the river there. And then he starts harping about the, basically the lack of help in their efforts to defend the west from all these enemies.
1: And nobody's helping us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> But uh, more chief
1: than that, he uh, had a dream. And uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier here. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to, uh, he uh, recited the dream for them, which is that excerpt. Right. That was
0: ultimately like his main reason for coming to the council. This yeah, is yeah. dream is what set him off, made yeah. him go on the, on the road. And so. he just
1: kind of fell into this council about the One Ring and all this. He didn't ask for this. Right. And he's
0: like, by the way, I came here because I had this crazy fucking dream. Yeah. You know, about this whole like halfling and the Steeldor's Bane and the sword that was broken. Like, what is all this nonsense?
1: In response to this strange dream, Aragorn reveals himself. He pulls out the broken blade of Narsil, shing, and explains Frodo's the halfling.
0: And Isildur's bane is actually the one friggin' ring. Yeah, he just kind of lays it all out for him. He's like, oh, by the way, this is what your dream means. <laughs> <laughs> you came all this way. Here you go. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier that, that would kind of be fun as if we did like a, like a dude
1: version of the, of this scene. Yeah. And like where a, he's like, like a bro
0: version of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah,
1: and like he'll tell his dream and then Aragorn will just unsheathe the sword and be like, "Bro." Dude. And then he'll be like, "Dude." And then he'll point at Frodo and be like, "Bro, halfling, bro." Halfling, bro. Dude. And then then Frodo will be like, "Dude." And then they will be like, "Dude." And he'll
0: be like, "The Isildur's bane bro. And he'll be like, "Dude." Dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. 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 Yeah, dude. <laughs> Fucking Elrond's like my dudes. My dudes. Yeah. My dudes, please. Please. <laughs>
1: So Boromir, uh, Boromir doubts whether Aragorn is indeed the heir of Elendil, obviously right. suspicious. Yeah,
0: this is also very big news. Hey, the king's here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know how you're a steward? Not anymore. Not anymore. So he's pr- obviously a little uh, little put off by that. He doubts it. And when he doubts whether or not Aragorn is actually the heir of Elendil, this is when uh, little Bilbo Baggins gets kind of pissed off. Oh, yeah. And he hops up and he recites his whole All all That Is Gold Does Not Glitter poem, which is super fun.
1: Yeah, everyone remembers that one. The crownless again shall be king.
0: Yeah, After his uh, Bilbo's little poem, that's when Aragorn ultimately forgives Boromir for doubting him. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't look like a king. He's just some dirty ranger from the north. Mm -hmm. But then he also kind of rebukes Boromir for his complaints that only Gondor was defending the free folk because that was totally not true. So after the Aragorn kind of clears the air of that, then Boromir goes ahead and doubts whether or not the ring presented by Frodo is actually the same one ring that was lost by Isildur. It's like, I mean, you're telling us these stories and you show me yeah. a ring. How, How do, do I know, know that th- yeah. this is that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think he's,
1: he's kind of the reader at this point, too. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah.
0: The, he's the one asking the, mm-hmm. the questions that need to be asked right mm-hmm. now.
1: Mm-hmm. And Elrond then invites Bilbo, Frodo, and Gandalf to tell their parts of the story to put this shit all together.
0: Yeah, to kind of clarify where it went from Isildur to now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then when it gets suggested that they destroy the ring, that's when Boromir becomes visibly frustrated And then he brashly recommends that they actually use the One Ring as some kind of a power to defeat Sauron. And we've uh, got an excerpt about that. Boromir stirred, and Frodo looked at him. He was fingering his great horn and frowning. "'I do not understand all this,' he said. "'Sauron is a traitor, but did he not have a glimpse of wisdom? "'Why do you speak ever of hiding and destroying?' Why should we not think that the Great Ring has come into our hands to serve us in the very hour of our need? Wielding it, the lords of the free may surely defeat the enemy. That is what he fears most, I deem."
1: Gandalf and Elrond uh, they jump and they they're kind of they immediately dismiss that they're like hey Boromir that's stupid
0: that is not gonna work
1: that is the kind of thinking that
0: got us here in the first place (laughs) (laughs) just like yeah no yeah the ring is ultimately irrevocably evil and anything done with it ultimately turns evil so no
1: by the end of the council it is pretty much agreed on that they will destroy the
0: ring and I say pretty much because Boromir doesn't agree still (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And this is when Boromir hops up and is like, One does not simply walk into Mordor.
1: In <laughs> the But just kidding, it was actually Arrestor who spoke against Mordor. And uh, he was he said that he was resorting going to Mordor and trying to destroy the ring would be a path of despair and folly.
0: Yeah, I love that scene in the movie with Boromir. It's a great the scene. Whole, yeah, the whole one does not simply walk into Mordor. I mean, it was a really nice line. Yeah.
1: It, but it, it did belong to Arrestor, who they shafted in the movie, but we just realized earlier today, we went back in our own archives, dude, and we found out that we shafted Aristor from the shafted episode. Yeah,
0: so we like super so shafted So he got Arrestor. super
1: shafted, and we want to apologize to Aristor, <laughs> the, the main counselor of Elrond, a uh, very significant figure that we shafted from our shafted episode. Yeah,
0: he should have definitely been talked about at the council. Yeah,
1: Aristor. Shafted.
0: Shafted. Super shafted. In the books, Boromir doesn't say the one does not simply walk into Mordor line, but he does ultimately make it clear by the end of the council that he openly disagrees with destroying the ring, and he wishes it would go to Gondor, but he will do whatever the majority decides, which is ultimately destroy. Yeah.
1: Majority rules. Let's destroy it. So let's take it from the top, Joel. Who are the
0: Fellowship of the Ring? The uh, folks that were ended up being part of the fellowship are Gandalf the Wandering Wizard, Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, Mariotic Brandybug, Peregrine Took, Gimli of Erebor, Legolas of the Greenwood Elves, and Aragorn of the Northern Rangers of the
1: Tuna And
0: last but not least, the subject of today Boromir of Gondor.
1: Boromir! Burr, 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 burr,
0: burr. <laughs> And initially when the Fellowship leaves Rivendell, they are not
1: sure what the best way to get to Mordor is.
0: Yeah, so there's some debate about which way to go. Boromir had always planned on going to Minas Tirith, basically, in the end. And uh, despite the consensus reached at Rivendell to go to Mordor and destroy it, he still kind of urged the Fellowship to accompany him to Minas Tirith before yeah. going to Mordor.
1: Because like he's a, like, I'm going there anyway, I'll, I'll go with you along yeah, the well, way. Yeah,
0: let's restock yeah. up and see what we can do before you go.
1: Despite the somewhat negative impression Boromir gave at the council, he proved to be an invaluable member
0: of the Fellowship. Seriously, Doug, like seriously invaluable. He was a huge help.
1: Let's talk. A li- let's talk a little bit about that. First off, the Redhorn Pass. Yeah.
0: So when the Fellowship got snowed in on the Redhorn Pass, when they were trying to cross over Caradhras, that's when Boromir and Aragorn were the ones who could uh, muscle their way through the snow, and they kind of they kind of saved everybody. We have a quick excerpt about that. Have hope, said Boromir.
1: I am weary, but I still have strength left, and Aragorn too. We will bear the little folk. Come, Master Peregrine. I begin with you, he lifted up the hobbit. Cling to my back, I shall need my arms, he said, and strode forward. Aragorn with Merry came behind. Pippin marveled at his strength, seeing the passage that he had already forced with no other tool than his great limbs. Even now, burdened as he was, he was widening the track for those who followed thrusting snow aside as he went
0: yeah just kind of beasting it i really liked that part in the book that was cool like the two the two men were like well i guess it's time to just Let's kind do of do it yeah kind of beast through this yeah he um he's pretty much a snowblower you know what i'm saying oh yeah he is just uh plowing right through there yeah they might want to hire him around here huh <laughs>
1: For those of you that don't know, there's a, we have a machine in Minnesota and the snowier places of the world that is dedicated only to fling snow off of your driveway. Are you mansplaining snow blowers yeah. right well, now? well, I mean, some people, like, we have people, you know, in places that don't have snow listening, Joel. They okay. don't know that we need a machine to fling the snow off of our sidewalks.
0: Yeah, okay, well, I guess think of, like, a lawnmower, sort of, a very big yeah, one. yeah. And it like shoots snow out snow the side and moves it for yeah, you. Yeah,
1: it's got like big augers. It's terrifying actually. Yeah. Don't yeah. stick your hands in don't there. Don't stick your hands in there. Have you ever seen I think I showed you that video of the guy that made one with a V eight engine. <laughs> <That> sounds <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> and it shot snow like two hundred feet in the air. <laughs> anyway, that's some Minnesotan talk for you. Here we go. We're gonna keep going with Tolkien here.
0: So so we're talking about how how badass Boromir was for the for the fellowship.
1: Um let's talk about the mines Moria. Yeah. The Mines of Moria, horrible place. Horrible uh, place. Don't go there. Gandalf suggests going through the mines, and initially Boromir said that he would not go through the mines unless the whole company said that they should. So in this, <laughs> me and Joel were talking about like Boromir has kind of every right to be salty here because right. everybody always he always says like I don't think we should do this, and then they're just like shut the fuck up Boromir, and then when there's like orcs and stuff, they're like Boromir, get up here and kill these orcs, you know? But no, they don't listen. To I Boromir. don't think we should
0: destroy the ring. Shut Shut up, Boromir. Shut up, Boromir. You know, I really don't think we should go through the mines of Moria. Shut up, Boromir. Shut up, Boromir. Well, actually, almost all of them didn't want to go to the mines, but they, they ended up going anyway. Boromir wanted to go along, uh, go south along the Misty Mountains, and he wanted to either go through the Gap of Rohan or cross the Isen and go through the southern lands of, of, uh, how do you pronounce that, Langstrand and Lebanon? I believe that's correct. Yeah, so he wanted to take more of a southerly road. But as we know, they ended up going to Moria.
1: Yeah. And at the doors of Durin, uh, Boromir was angry that Gandalf did not know the password, and he threw a stone into the water.
0: Yeah, that was Boromir that threw the stone. Yeah,
1: because he was frustrated. This alerted the Watcher in the water.
0: No good. Yeah, and that's when we get that scuffle.
1: Yeah, and uh, in the minds of Moria, he proved himself a capable warrior when he and Aragorn fought off large numbers of orcs and goblins.
0: At one point, he uh, goes after the troll, doesn't he?
1: He notches his sword on the troll's arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he he tries to
0: hack at the troll and then he busts up his sword and then Frodo comes in with Sting, his elvish blade, and he's like, for the Shire. Yeah,
1: stands right through it, yeah.
0: The hobbit's uh, blade... Uh,
1: is, is it The Bites Deep bites or something deep. like that, yes, yeah, is Aragorn.
0: So at the Bridge of Kaza doom, remember that horn that we mentioned earlier? Mm-hmm. He uses his great horn of Gondor and he actually blows on it and it's so loud and powerful that it stalls the approaching Balrog and all the goblins, just for a second.
1: It was intimidating, to say the least.
0: To say the very least. We got a little excerpt about that scene. Then Boromir raised his horn and blew. Loud the challenge rang and bellowed like the shout of many throats under the cavernous roof. For a moment, the orcs quailed and the fiery shadow halted. That's a hell of a horn. Yeah. Yeah. Stopping a bell rock in its tracks.
1: Yeah, dude. And after the loss of Gandalf at the Bridge of Khazad-dum, Boromir had to be forcibly removed from the battle.
0: Yeah, he was not about leaving someone behind. Yeah, no, he was like,
1: "Let's take this fucking Balrog. We can do
0: it." Yeah, Aragorn had to like like call him back like numerous times or mm-hmm. something like, uh, "Boromir, come
1: on." And that's one of the things that people remember about Boromir is he's always the la- he's the last to leave, mm-hmm. last to run away from a fight.
0: Yeah, he does not run from battle.
1: Next leg of the journey brings us to the woods of Lothlorien. Um, After leaving Moria, Boromir actually disagrees again with Aragorn's decision (laughs) to continue to Lorian, arguing that going south would be better.
0: Yeah, Boromir, he believes a lot of the old stories that are told in Gondor about the elf witch, Galadriel, and her magic, and he genuinely thought that she was going to fuck with them if they went into her forest. But as we know, he eventually agreed and they went anyway. Just, (laughs) fuck you, Boromir.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Boromir. Shut up, bro. Upon meeting Galadriel, Boromir is disturbed by the Elven Lady's testing of his mind, as we talked about in uh, one of our previous episodes. What episode yeah. was it again?
0: We mentioned it in the Elrond episode, and I think we kind of talked about it in the uh, Finrod Feligan But not episode. by name, yeah. So not by name, but Those yeah.
1: characters, um, including... Um, Gladriel, they have this, the art of Osanwe, which is the art of entering people's minds. Yeah, it's like a
0: light mind reading ability.
1: Yeah, it's not quite like I can see everything you've ever thought. Yeah, they're
0: able to see things you're more or less willing to show them. Mm -hmm. So like in the case of Finrod Felagund we talked about, it helped him interpret speech of a a language he didn't know. You know, they'd blab at him in some language he didn't know. But Mm -hmm. since they're trying to communicate something to him, he can kind of read it out of their mind. Yeah. Which is cool.
1: Yeah, it was super cool. Um, and Galadriel uses this, and he doesn't like it. Yeah, he
0: doesn't like it one bit.
1: Before the Fellowship uh, leaves Lothorian, uh, Galadriel gives Boromir with a golden belt and one of the green elven cloaks and brooches. Yeah,
0: one of those cloaks that the, everyone in the Fellowship got.
1: Galadriel gives the Fellowship three boats so they can ride the Anduin south until they reach the lake of Nen-Hithoel. Is that right?
0: I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, above
1: the Falls of Raros.
0: Yeah, and then at that point when they get to the lake, that's when they basically realize they're going to have to decide, make a decision, which way do we go from here? Because at this point, they're still undecided on how to get to Mordor. Right, they're just kind of... Do we go to Minas Tirith first, or do we go a different route? And
1: so this is when uh, Boromir's lust for the ring starts to kind of get out of hand.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, as the story goes on, as we know, Boromir gets a little more seduced. There's actually a, uh, a fun, well, I shouldn't say fun. There's a scene along the river. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. There's a scene along the river where Boromir really starts to kind of show there's something up and Merry and Pippin get kind of concerned. We've got a uh, excerpt about it. Merry and Pippin in the middle boat were ill at ease, for Boromir sat muttering to himself, sometimes biting his nails, as if some restlessness or doubt consumed him sometimes seizing a paddle and driving the boat close up behind Aragorn's. Then Pippin, who sat in the bow looking back, caught a queer gleam in his eye as he peered forward gazing at Frodo.
1: Yeesh. yeah so you can kind of <laughs> see some
0: uh obvious lusting here for the ring yeah lusting for <laughs> something <laughs> I, just, I just love that because i just think of poor fucking marion and Pippin. they're just sitting they're in just this watching boat them like, like what, <sighs> what 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 up man just like, like, like
1: frantically paddling, just staring at frodo <laughs> the whole time
0: <laughs> they're yeah they're just totally wigged out this whole time like obviously Bormir's acting weird and they're just like <laughs> uh,
1: sitting there munching on lambus bread trying not to cause anything <laughs>
0: When the Fellowship reaches the lake of nen
1: above the falls of Raros, they camp out on the western shore to decide where to go from there. And Frodo wanders off into the forest to think, and Boromir followed.
0: Pretty predatory-like. So in the forest, on the slopes of the hill there, in the hills called Amonhen, hen this is when Boromir slowly begins to give in to the ring. Uh, Boromir privately confronts Frodo and urges him to use the ring in Gondor's defense rather than to throw it away. And uh, one of the ways that the ring seduces Boromir is by appealing to his sense of duty to his people and his belief in his own integrity. He kind of, like, makes him feel righteous about what he's doing. Right. And we've got an excerpt about that. True-hearted men,
1: they will not be corrupted. We of Minas Tirith have been staunch through the long years of trial. We do not desire the power of wizard lords, only strength to defend ourselves. Strength in a just cause. And behold, in our need, chance brings to light the ring of power. It is a gift, I say, a gift to the foes of Mordor. It is mad not to use it. To use the power of the enemy against him, the fearless, the ruthless, these alone will achieve victory.
0: He's just completely unloading to Frodo here. Yeah, dude. Just uh you need to talk
1: to like you need to talk to somebody before it gets to this point, Boromir. Like, yeah. we can't help you now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like he needed a psychiatrist a long time ago. Why? <laughs> but Frodo refuses Boromir's um offer, I guess, and uh, finally succumbs to the temptation and tries to take the ring by force. Little excerpt
0: about that. No, no, cried Frodo. The council laid it upon me to bear it. It is by our own folly that the enemy will defeat us, cried Boromir. How it angers me, fool, obstinate fool, running wilfully to death and ruining our cause. If any mortals have claim to the ring, it is the men of Numenor, and not halflings. It might have been mine. It should be mine. Give it to me. Yeah, I love that part in uh, The Lord of the Rings. It's one of my favorite moments. Sean Bean fucking kills that. That whole whole scene of the temptation and everything. Oh my God. Yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes in all of movies. You get chills watching him break down like that.
1: So at this point, Frodo uh, understandably freaked out. He puts on the ring
0: and he flees. Yeah, he just dips out. Goodbye. And Boromir, uh,
1: instantly realizing his betrayal, immediately repented and he wept. He literally
0: wept. Just broke down crying. Yeah, after a while of uh, unsuccessful searching for Frodo, Boromir finally returns to the Fellowship at their little camp on the lake, and he tells him about Frodo's disappearance, kind of kind of vaguely. Yeah. He doesn't tell him about his betrayal, but Aragorn kind of suspects.
1: Yeah. He's like, did you see Frodo? He's like, yes and no. And he's like, is that, is that really all you have to say for yourself, Boromir? Yeah, he's like, really? Yeah, and I think he says, for
0: now. <laughs> like, for now, Yeah. yeah. He's like, maybe I'll tell you later. But then at that point, that's when everyone freaks out and, like, everyone scatters. Scatter! Scatter! And, like, everyone goes running off in different directions and, you know, the hobbits go running off into the woods. And Legolas and Gimli go running off, and Aragorn's just like, oh, he's he's had it. This is a real bad day for Aragorn. Yeah. If you remember at this point in the book, this is when Aragorn's really breaking down, too, because he doesn't know what to do as leader of the Fellowship. And now everything's falling apart, and he just looks at Boromir, and he's like, follow Merry and Pepin. Yeah. And Boromir doesn't even question. He just does it immediately. He's like, okay.
1: Yeah. But by the time Boromir finds the hobbits, they're surrounded by dozens of orcs. Boromir slew many of them, and the rest fled.
0: But unfortunately, on their way back to the campsite, they are attacked again. And this time, they say it was by at least a hundred orcs.
1: Yeah. Boromir engages the massive crowd of orcs and sounds the horn of Gondor. And
0: that, isn't that the end of, technically the end of book one? It's somewhere around there, I mean, technically it's the end of book two, but it's the end of the Fellowship. Yeah. I think.
1: I think somewhere around there. Yeah, because you hear him blowing the horn, and then he dies in the next
0: book yeah he dies at the beginning of the yeah. two towers but that horn is like they're like the horn of
1: gondor yeah and then they're like oh shit, it's going Cut. down yeah. end of the
0: book and you're like holy shit <laughs> yeah. that would have been a hell of a cliffhanger yeah it would but we've got a uh, a quick excerpt about this scene
1: then boromir had come leaping through the trees he had made them fight he slew many of them and the rest fled but they had not gone far on the way back when they were attacked again by a hundred orcs at least some of them very large and they shot a rain of arrows always at boromir boromir had blown his great horn until the woods rang and at first the orcs had been dismayed and had drawn back but when no answer but the echoes came they attacked more fiercely than ever pippin did not remember much more his last memory was of boromir leaning against a tree plucking out an arrow then darkness fell suddenly
0: yeah that's pretty badass
1: yeah dude that's a that's a last stand if i've ever seen one
0: by the time aragorn finds boromir everyone's pretty much gone except for boromir and at they say at least 20 dead orcs yeah so he cut off about 20 percent of (laughs) the the orcs that, that were there
1: good it's a it's a good number
0: that's a hell of a number boromir was still alive but he was wounded with many black tipped arrows and he
1: still held his sword, and the blade had been broken off at the hilt, and the great horn had been cloven
0: in two. Very sad. Yeah. All of his shit is very used. Is it implied that the horn broke in two from blowing on it too hard, or that it was cut? Cloven makes it, cloven sound makes like it, it seem like it, it, was, it was cut. It was yeah. cut in two. Yeah. But that would be a pretty badass story, though. He blew it so hard that the horn I wouldn't,
1: exploded. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the orcs did that on the way out just to be assholes. Yeah.
0: They're pretty disrespectful. Yeah. So, Warmere. This is when he has his scene with Aragorn, and he confesses to Aragorn that he tried to take the ring from Frodo, and it's very serious. And he accepts his own impending death as basically a penance for having tried to do that. He also urges Aragorn to save Minas Tirith, because that was kind of Boromir's own personal battle that he feels he failed. Right.
1: Yeah, he, it was really his responsibility to defend the White Tower, and he's now dying in the woods somewhere, not
0: doing his job. Mm-hmm. And we have an excerpt about this scene. "'Farewell, Aragorn. Go to Minas Tirith and save my people. I have failed.' "'No,' said Aragorn, taking his hand and kissing his brow. "'You have conquered. Few have gained such a victory. Be at peace. Minas Tirith shall not fall.' Boromir smiled, but did not speak again. "'Alas!' said Aragorn. "'Thus passes the heir of Denethor, lord of the Tower of Guard. "'This is a bitter end.' He knelt for a while, bent with weeping, still clasping Boromir's hand. So it was that Legolas and Gimli found him.
1: Damn. It's a tender moment between a captain and his king.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's a moment that developed like they didn't accept each other as those titles until that yeah, point. Yeah, until too.
1: that moment, yeah. So, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas place Boromir's body in one of the elven boats, along with his broken sword, belt, cloak, broken horn, and all the weapons of his slain enemies. That's I imagine
0: that'd be a pretty weighed down boat.
1: Yeah, that's metal as fuck, though. Imagine all the swords of your fallen enemies. Yeah, like, that's like
0: 20 swords and axes and shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty metal.
1: And they set the boat adrift toward the falls of Rauros, and they sang the Lamenta Boromir as a funeral song.
0: Yeah, I think we mentioned before that uh, Robert Inglis, the guy who does a version of the audiobook, he he yeah, sings a guy. lot of the songs, and he, he does a real good job with this one. It Nails him. makes me tear up every time I hear it. So we're not going to get into the full lament of Boromir here, just because it's a kind of a long song.
1: Kind of long, yeah. It, it refers to the, the four winds, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it says um, something about Boromir, from east to west, north. Or no, no they don't say east. East is Mordor. They don't mm-hmm. talk about
0: East. Yeah, they talk about the other directions, but they leave the East wind out because it's evil. Yeah.
1: But it's very cool check it out. Check out Robert Inglis singing it on mm-hmm. the audiobook. It's yeah. very cool.
0: I think we're gonna try to put up a recording yeah, of us reciting it. We're at definitely some point.
1: gonna record it, yeah, but we're gonna it's too long for this episode. <laughs> Sorry yeah, guys.
0: So we'll we'll post that up separately and we'll link it to you guys and let you know. But yeah, ultimately by the end of the song, the lament of Boromir, they leave the east wind to Gimli and he stops there and he's like, you've left the east wind to me, but I won't sing of that. The east wind is evil. And Aragorn responds that the people of Gondor endure that evil east wind, but do not ask for its tidings because that direction lies Mordor.
1: Yeah. And Boromir, son of Denethor II, Prince Steward, passed over the falls of Rauros on February 26th Third age, 3019.
0: I saw a solemn moment, a moment of silence for Boromir. Pour one out if you got one.
1: Put one up if you got one. Three days later, Faramir, younger brother to, to Boromir, found the boat bearing his dead brother floating down the river Anduin.
0: That had to have been a pretty horrifying revelation. Yeah. And it it also said in the book that Faramir could have sworn that he heard his horn like the day before. Yes, it does Blowing up in the north. Yep. And then finding his body after that, yeah. That's pretty That's pretty crushing. Because the thing about the
1: horn was uh, it was you could hear it all throughout Gondor. Mm. It was like the extent of the, if you were within uh, the borders of Gondor, it would be heard. Okay. So it definitely would have been heard in Ithilien.
0: Right. Yeah, the two halves of the horn were later washed on the shore too, and they were collected and brought to Denethor, which is how Denethor ultimately found out about Boromir's death. But the whole death of Boromir is ultimately super sad, and there's really not a lot of resolution to it. The characters just get fucking stabbed with that in the heart, and they just have to move on. Yeah, they just have to deal with it. Yeah. But there was a nice excerpt I found about what happened to the boat, so we'll uh, give that excerpt out here. But in
1: Gondor, in the after days, it was long said that the elven boat rode the falls and the foaming pool and bore him down through Asgiliath, and passed the mouths of Anduin out to the great sea at night under the stars.
0: That sounds really peaceful. Yeah, it does. And uh, later on, I think it's in the Two Towers, Faramir tells Frodo, uh, he says that Boromir, quote, died well, achieving some good thing. His face was more beautiful even than in life. So at least it seemed like he was at peace. Yeah, redeemed. Redeemed, exactly and that's more or less the end that we have for like the history of Bormir. Right. But I like that you mentioned that that he was redeemed because that's kind of one of the main things about Bormir. Here's one of those protagonists that had those obvious flaws mm-hmm. in Tolkien, but he did really redeem himself, I feel like.
1: And for the most part, always tried to do what was the right thing. Yeah, for the most part, he uh, did. Case in point, the Fellowship says, let's do this, even though you disagree, you do it anyway. Every time. Yeah, Every like we time. pointed
0: out, it was like, what, three times in a row? They were just yeah, like, Fuck were just you Boromir. But he went along with it anyway, and he did the best he could.
1: Yeah. And uh, Tolkien is uh, known for those flawed protagonists. Flawed protagonists, excuse me. Uh, Foromir, uh, Feanor. <laughs> Who's Foromir? (laughs) What the fuck? It's been a long day. Uh, Feanor and Turin Turambar.
0: Yeah, Boromir is often compared to Feanor and Turin Turambar because those are two other characters that are technically protagonists, Mm -hmm. but you know they have their flaws. Right. Feanor is well, he's he's a pretty big dick. Like I'd say calling Feanor a protagonist is arguable, but I think I think ultimately he is supposed to be. Yeah, and it's always pride. Yeah, pride is usually the big is the thing. problem. And then Turin Túrnbar, I I think his character is super interesting because like I don't know all the bad shit that happens to Turin is isn't necessarily because he's super prideful. There are a couple instances that couple, sort of yeah. come of that, but like in general, Turin's life just kind of fucking sucks because anyway, he was yeah, cursed. He was cursed, yeah. And like he, I don't feel like he. I guess he did kill the dragon in the end, so there was some redemption. Yeah, yeah, he got rid of Glaurung. He got little. He got little. Got rid of Glaurung. that's true. Yeah. I guess I always liked Boromir in comparison to the, those other characters, though, because sort of because of his self sacrifice. I guess in the yeah. end, like yeah, totally. And then the um the film
1: uh, which we wanted to talk about a little bit, Sean Bean plays him, and uh, Sean Bean Bean kills it. But that uh, oh, you can't
0: beat Bean.
1: Yeah, you can't beat the Bean. And the the death scene in that movie is just one of the greatest uh death scenes of any movie, and I've seen so many movies. Yeah.
0: That one really tugs at your heartstrings every time. <laughs>
1: yeah, every time it gets to me. As soon as that first arrow hits and the music like cuts. Oh yeah, dramatic. Yeah. Crazy. But yeah, we wanted to talk about how he he was really good at portraying this both the strength of Boromir, but also the vulnerability that he has and like, you know, his worry about you know, doing his duty and you know he loves his brother as well mm-hmm. and he also loves his father. Yeah.
0: I mean, I anytime I picture Boromir, I more or less picture Sean Bean or something similar to his character yeah. because I think Sean Bean just hit that character just hit it on the right head. on the head. Yeah. Like That was perfect. If
1: anybody else disagrees, hit us up. Yeah. I'd like to hear Tell us, us which
0: thing. Who is your favorite flawed protagonist in Tolkien? Yeah. And do you think Sean Bean did a pretty good job with Boromir? I think he did. Yeah. Like and
1: subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Smash that like button. Remember when <laughs> kept saying that on the drunken special? Really
0: we should say that every time. Smash that like button. Our editor keeps telling us we have to tell people to like yeah, our stuff. Please like our stuff. Please like our stuff.
1: Please like our stuff and tell other people like our stuff even if they don't.
0: But th- that's basically all we got for you guys today. Time for our favorite segment. What did we learn today on uh, KOT? Boom. So today we learned all about Boromir. And that included Boromir's birth and his origins in Gondor.
1: Boromir's. Outright devotion to Gondor.
0: The events that led him to the Council of Elrond.
1: We learned about Boromir's invaluable contribu- contributions to the Fellowship of the Ring.
0: And we mean invaluable. That In- guy was a valuable. huge help. Uh, we learned about his seduction by the Ring. And his ultimate redemption and death. But uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you again for listening.
1: Thank you, thank you. Like, subscribe, write a a cool comment on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes or
0: Facebook or wherever you want to. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and don't forget to check out the Patreon as well.
1: Right, uh, Patreon is a way for you guys to uh, help support us and what we do. So if you like um, what we do and you think you could uh, help us out with a little bit of money, yeah, go to Patreon uh, and subscribe. Yeah,
0: every dollar really helps.
1: It really does. We just paid our bill with a bunch of Patreon money. Yeah, the other this day. <laughs> like we've
0: mentioned before, this uh, this podcast is still something we pay to do. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really fun hobby for us though, so we want to keep. But keep yeah, on going.
1: that Patreon money took a good chunk out. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it so helped. Much. L- it helped a lot. So so much, and yeah, and continue to to do that. And I am uh, Danny J,
0: and I'm Jolyn, and as always, guys, keep keep on, on to- talking.
1: Aure in tulaba.